0: What up guys? All right, today I am so freaking excited to be joined by this one freaking badass woman who does not dare to be disrespected. My homie, Constance Schwartz. Guys, if you don't know who she is, oh my God, you're about to find out. Guys, she's been dominating a male-dominated industry for over 20 years. Working for so long in the NFL, she has learned how to stand up for herself, stick up for herself, not use any excuses, but to show up like a freaking badass, no matter who is disrespecting you. And that's including someone that we may all know called Snoop Dogg. That's right. She shares a story on how on earth she didn't let Snoop Dogg disrespect her. She's the CEO and co-founder of the talent management agency called Smack, a company that she runs with her homie, Michael Strahan, where they manage other NFL Hall of Famers and rap artists and musicians like Wiz Khalifa, to name a few guys being in that industry Constance knows exactly what it takes to show up every single day without giving any excuses we we'll go deep today and she shares all the nuggets of gold on how she doesn't get intimidated by these incredible powerhouses how she still allows herself to show her vulnerability and she actually uses it as her superpower all while building her own damn seat at the table when she hasn't been invited. Guys, I'm telling you, this one you got to listen to if you want to know how to hold your own, how to stick up for yourself, how to be a freaking badass, and also how to show up with such grace and beauty like my homegirl, Constance Schwartz. So, without further ado, listen to this episode, guys. If it did bring you value, please do like, share it with your homies, tell them about Women of Impact, get the word out, and let's create Women of Impact Global Dominant right now. All right, guys, I'm Lisa Billy Now on to the episode of Women of Impact. Constance, welcome to Women of Impact. Welcome back. Welcome back, yes. It's been a long time. It has, and homie, you are such a freaking badass. Honestly, I surround myself with a lot of amazing women. I'm very fortunate like that. But you, every time I think about a woman who can stand up for themselves, a woman that doesn't give excuses, a woman that doesn't allow someone to push them around, you're like at the top of that list. And what I would love is to actually start with the story where Snoop Dogg totally disrespects you and ignores you.
1: Well, it wasn't just me. So I want to give him, I have to like just set the tone. It was it was a room uh, full of a lot of Hollywood type people. It was one of his first meetings at the company I was working at at the time where he'd just become a client and he was testing everybody. And that's really what it was. And he walks into this big, like old kind of banker's type conference room with the big, you know, brown everything and he had on a purple fur coat I'll never forget this and he sits at the head of the table and turns his back to everybody and that intimidated a lot of folks in the room then instead I'm just like looking at my watch I was like all right if this is how this is going to go and then it was my turn so like the NFL slash Yonkers in me kicked in and I just like banged on the table and I was like hey I was like over here I'm like you're busy but so are we and if you don't want to hear what we have to say then that's cool like let's go on with our day and it was like a movie scene, like from The Godfather, where the chair slowly turns, and he was almost like, who's speaking to me like that? And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and we've been together ever since. <laughs> <laughs> a little more I went into it, but it was just one of those, I think, defining moments for me, for him, and I think it was like two days later, a call went in to my boss at the time, and they were like, we want the girl from the NFL running the team. And I was like, wait a minute, I am not a manager, and this is not what you hired me to do, and they said, you are now, so you're on the road, go meet him in Reno, Nevada, in two days, you're picking him up, and you're taking him to New York to go start uh, press for, it was either Starsky and Hutch or Soul Plane, that's how long ago this was, and I never forget, he did the Chappelle show, and I just remember sitting there in awe of both of them, just knowing I'm watching greatness, and here we are, almost 20 years later, embarrassed to say, and he and I are producing a movie called The Underdogs for MGM and Amazon, and we're taking off for Atlanta to go knock out a a two-month shoot, and it's my first feature film, so off I go. Okay, there's so much here,
0: because right now, I don't know how aware you are of that moment potentially being a huge pivot, and it becomes these moments in so many of our lives where in this moment of potential, like, you even said intimidation. It's freaking Snoop Dogg, right? <clears throat> so in these moments, there are these moments where you can choose a path. And one is allowing your emotion to take over. Oh my god, he's so intimidating. I better stay quiet. That's how I will be accepted here is like sink into the background, don't rustle any feathers, you know, be in the shadows, and then I can keep hopefully working. And then there's other moments like you where you're like, no, I won't be intimidated. I won't allow this to affect how I show up and who I show up to be. And you lent into that. And as a result, to your point of what an amazing story that 20 years later, you're now producing just incredible stuff with him. But that moment, that moment of deciding, I will not be intimidated. I won't let somebody, and you even said the whole room. He wasn't just like that to you. It was to the whole room. Now, other people, don't have that story now where they get to work with Snoop Dogg. They have the story about how once they were in a room with Snoop Dogg and he turned his back on them. But you have the story of he turned his back on me and I didn't let that stop me. Talk to me about that thing, that superpower of yours. Because if we can help people at home who are listening right now to cultivate that mindset and that belief in themselves, homie, think about the knock-on effect we can have with other incredible women.
1: It's so true, and, and you know, I hear it more and more from a lot of young women, but also just a lot of my peers in their 40s and 50s that are like, you have to keep speaking out and telling your truth because it's a movement, and I think you remember this, like you were probably the first podcast I ever came on. So thank you for that because you got me out of my comfort zone. So I might sit here and, you know, be badass and, and tough, but we still all share the same insecurities. We still all share the same, you know, dilemmas. And so I always like to just make sure that it's not a general kind of just decision to make because you have to know the room but so much of it is instinctual and so much of it is, I just don't give a fuck anymore. Like, honestly, like I've been in the background far too long, which is my own fault. And I'm gonna say fault, Um, I blame myself because there was no one holding me back except myself. And that's something that I think young women today probably don't have the same fears we do because of your book, because of your podcast, Mm -hmm. like everything you're doing for young women. And if I can just help change the path of a couple, you know, women here and there, then I feel like being here with you today, it's done justice for myself and and for those that come behind us and those that walk beside us. And I think that's an important note that we all have to address. But I'd love to sit here and tell you, well, you know, I've I've taken these classes and I've done these studies. A lot of it is just self-help and work and, meditation and working with whether it's your energy healer or psychiatrist or psychologist or your shaman like whatever it is that's going to help you get outside of your comfort zone or maybe it's just your girlfriends or maybe it's a great business partner and Michael Strahan and Dion Sanders my husband Mike Marini like it's okay to lean on men I think sometimes you know feminists or you know whatever you want to call women that are standing up for themselves we think we can't lean on men and that's not true like you have the right partners both personally and professionally they will lift you up without it seeming like it's their duty or their job it's because you've earned that place and sometimes we all just need that little extra kick in the ass to get in front of where we need to be
0: so first of all you said um, you realized it was you doing it that is actually really beautiful because it's such a, like, literally juxtaposition where you're like, yeah, I did stand up for myself to Snoop Dogg. I told him to pay attention. Like, I'm not here to waste my time being that person. And yet, years later, you sit with me and you're nervous. You're, you know, it's, you said, getting out of my mm. comfort zone. So I think that is beautiful. But yet it's also confusing, right, to say, okay, you have if I'm gonna be just so crude. You've got the balls to stand up for yourself here, and yet getting out of your comfort zone still makes you nervous. Oh yeah. So how do you process getting out of your comfort zone to go after that thing when it still makes you nervous? Because that's, that's the key, right, that people are listening to. It's like, well, if she can do it, I can do it too, but how?
1: Oh, gosh. I wish I could say there's this great formula. It's not. I have a strong team around me, and I think that's key is surround yourself with people who support you, who will lift you when you need to be lifted. But also you're, you know, there's a saying I've heard. I'm going to back that up. It's called we lift as we climb. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think about that, if you're climbing and you're not taking people with you, what what's that journey worth? It, it's not. But at the same time, I might be lifting I need those people to help climb with me, mm. can't do it by yourself. And for those that I think do it by themselves, it's a lonely climb. So surround yourself and I'll give you like a real example, I just got more active on my social media. Because it'd be like, all right, let me post here or there, everyone loves my nine to six year old mother, that's easy and fun and my dog or my husband and my friends, but I very rarely would post about myself. Mm. And so Scott Schmertz, who heads up social media at Smack, he said, it's time. And I was like, what do you mean it's time? He's like, we've got to start getting you going. And you're so great at it. You. Oh, thank you. I'm (laughs) saying you. And like, you've been a big inspiration for us both. And that's what it is. It's like, I just have to go for it. And you know what? If somebody unfollows me because they don't like what I'm saying, I don't care. Like, I'm not making money off this. I'm not doing it to try to go get a brand or make money. I'm doing it truly because I want to not just help others, but also help our business and help everybody that works at our business. So You just have to think about how you can help others by getting out of your comfort zone. And that I think will lead you there because when it's just about yourself, I'm speaking for me. Let me just be clear. I'm not knocking the people that are doing it for themselves, but for me and what you do, like we're doing this to help others, Mm -hmm. like, and that's what gets me through it. And will I watch this podcast Somebody's going to make me from my team. I know it, but otherwise I normally won't watch what I do. I can't read my interviews. Like I get very uncomfortable just doing it. But everyone's like, but you're, whether it's what we're doing with Coach Prime and Jackson State and the whole HBCU movement, or again, it's my 28-year-old Corral who's running the Strayhand business at 28. I didn't have someone when I was 28 doing that for me so I feel very strong that I need to do this for her mm. to help her so when she's my age hopefully she's running the business and has a whole team of young women that she's trained that she found when they were college interns like I found her
0: people right now are like, oh my god she's so badass you're so confident and yet even as you're talking it's like you have this confidence air about you and that at the same time you'll be open about where you're not confident and to have that duality is very difficult where you can give yourself grace in moments of you even said right like i don't know if i can watch myself and it's like to be the woman that can stand up for yourself and you know hold your own around very very powerful men Mm -hmm. um it's it's like oh my god you're such a badass and yet oh my god you're you're not confident here it seems like a duality but i think that that Special sources, what makes you you? And I think you've called it like the confidence roller coaster that you're <laughs> always on. Talk to me about that confidence roller coaster because I think it's so beautiful to talk about. Because people at home, it's, I think it's um, enlightening to know hey, look, you don't always have to
1: play at the A game, you no. don't always have to feel the confidence to keep showing up. Right. I watched a, um, a TED talk, probably, I don't even know when it came out, 11, 12 years ago, Brene Brown and it was about vulnerability, Mm -hmm. and a friend of mine sent that to me, and it resonated so deep and so hard, and that was a defining moment in my life that I realized I don't have to act tough all the time, and that vulnerability could be one of your superpowers. It's okay, and I never have a problem saying, I need help. Never a problem saying, I don't know. Let me find out, and I'll get back to you, and those are two very basic traits that if more and more people would just do that and say that, it's. I think we'd waste so much like less time in a meeting, in a project or whatever. Just, it's okay to say you don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really good at what I know, but I'm even better at what I don't know. And I surround myself with great lawyers and publicists and agents and analytical experts and you know, fashion people or whoever it is. It's okay to say you don't know. And it's okay to be vulnerable
0: how on earth are you able to show up like that and have such conviction
1: in the uncertainty i don't know any other way it's how i grew up I, um, my mom was an older mom which i didn't know any difference back then but she later told me a story that when i was born she was 43 when i was born and this is 1969 so the nurse was signing, I, having her sign my birth certificate. And when she gave her age, they said, what? They said, no, no, we're going to knock 10 years off your age because we don't want your daughter to be known as the kid with the older mother. How crazy oh is that? Oh, my God, that would never fly I mean, out. Is that crazy? Insane. And I And she's still alive and she's healthy and she's my role model and she's 96 now. And my parents were together, um, but my dad suffered from mental illness. So I grew up in uncertainty. I didn't know who was coming home, right? Like there were some days that he'd be on the high and he would just disappear because of the drugs and whatever else he was doing. And then he'd show up on our doorstep in tears, a puddle, and the depression would hit and he'd be on the bed for a month and wouldn't go to work. And I'd, you know, mommy, what's wrong with daddy? And she'd cover for him. And then when I hit high school and it escalated, there was no more covering. And the uncertainty, like just, it was how I grew up and I didn't know any better. And what i did learn from a great my mom had the smarts to send me to a a psychologist back then at 14 and he said to me do you hate your father and in that moment I said yes and he said and that's okay he said and don't let anyone ever tell you different and it was then I realized you have a choice to be not a survivor but a thriver or you can be a victim and I could have gone down either path and just followed his footsteps and just drugs and been, you know, I don't want to say a loser per se, but a loser in the terms of like not striving to just stand on my own and have this independence. And I said, I'm never going to depend on anybody. Like that was just the the decision I made, which might've gone a little too far as my husband will tell you, because it's really hard for me to like, not always be so independent. Um, I didn't get married till I was 46 because of that independence, Mm -hmm. but it's what suited me. So the uncertainty is just, all I know. And I think that for me is something I work on now that my husband and my clients and friends all say, it's okay to let go. It's okay to sleep. It's okay to breathe. Mm -hmm. It's okay to lean on us. And that's something that I every day have to work on.
0: Wow, how on earth do you do that? Especially if you've built up your independence. Um, I I 1,000% agree that in these moments, people have that decision of you either repeat the habit of your childhood Mm -hmm. or you um, pivot in the opposite direction. You say, this isn't going to be my life. So building your independence... is beautiful. I see you as a badass freaking independent woman. And at the same time, you sit here and say, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to lean on men. It doesn't mean that you're weak. How are you able to hold those two competing ideas in your head? Because dude, I'm so with you a thousand percent that if we can really figure out how you can navigate the two, Mm -hmm. I think so many people will benefit from being able to be like, oh, I can be a badass. I can be independent. And yet, when I need the help, the right thing to do is to lean on the people around me, and that doesn't make me weak.
1: You have to lose your ego. That's the very first thing. How the hell do you lose your ego? I, for me, yeah. it was, whether it was, you know, the, the boyfriend breakups where you have to, uh, one of my best, best guy friends, Todd Shimmeria, uh I'll never forget this. There was a heartbreak that I went through, and he said, you don't care that this guy broke up with you. It's your ego. And I was like, damn, like, and I had to think about that. And I was like, he's right. Like, that was the wrong guy for me. But it was because he broke up with me. And it was in that moment, I was like, going forward, is this real or is it about my ego? So it's just a life experience. And you need that friend that's going to just remind you of that. And I've used that with other friends where I say, this isn't about you. It's about your ego. Now, the work ego, that one, especially when you have the celebrity partner that I have, and this isn't him at all, but it's a show we're producing comes out. Michael Strahan's smack entertainment is producing. And for years, I just roll my eyes and let it go. Cause it's like, it's not about me. It's about the business It's about the show. It's about the company. But then we hired a PR firm and they're like, no, no, no. This is your company. These are your ideas. Yes. He's the celebrity and yes, he's the clickbait, but Michael's also the first one to always pull me into the picture. Close enough because he knows if he doesn't have his arm around me, they're going to cut me out. So mm. it's, it's a great team member in that sense. But I had to come to terms with not making the most powerful woman in sports lists, not making this list in the Hollywood Reporter, not doing that, and just say it's not about the work I'm doing. That's my ego. It's not easy. I'm not going to sit here and pretend mm. it didn't hurt for a long time. But as our company grew... And our businesses were taking off and our shows are getting nominated and we're doing more in the documentary space and we've got non-scripted you know aki follow shows coming out and working on this first feature film i'm good i don't care about your fucking lists anymore like Mm. don't call me for them now because i'm so good but what i am doing is i'm getting my younger team on those lists that's what i asked our pr Mm. firm because no one was looking out for me in that sense So now I want the 30 under 30s, the 40 under 40s. I want them on those lists. So keep me off, put the team on.
0: I'm going to be utterly honest. There is little more damaging to your confidence than feeling weak and helpless and just struggling to get the care that you actually need from your doctor. And trust me, guys, I unfortunately speak from experience because when I was struggling with crippling, crippling gut issues about nine years ago now, it took me years, years to find a doctor that not only could I connect with, but a doctor that actually would listen, wouldn't gaslight me and actually take my words and my experience as truth so that they could actually eventually help me heal and not just to give me another freaking pill and then push me out the door. But now, my homie, you don't have to struggle to find the right doctor for you you anymore. And that's thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an absolutely free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and then instantly book appointments with them online. And with Zocdoc, you can actually filter by insurance, location, and specialities to find the perfect fit for you, not for your friend, not for anyone else, but for you. Plus, on top of that, you can actually go and read verified reviews from real patients to find the doc that you can actually trust. And typically, wait times for booking an appointment are days, not weeks because let's face it when you're sick you need to see someone right now so my homie do not i repeat do not neglect your health instead go over to zocdoc.com lisa and download the zocdoc app for absolutely free then find and book a top rated doctor today that's zocdoc z-o-c-d-o-c dot com slash lisa zocdoc.com slash lisa is that then a a a, um just a thinking about what am i focusing on is more is my ego more important than, than my goal Is that what you're saying because i think that is so powerful and i think that in framing it like that i do that a lot as well because i have the ego as well so like even doing this show i'm like i don't want to get in front of the camera and it's like why do you want to get in front of oh because what if i mess up and it's like oh but lisa if your goal is impacting people and you're not getting in front of the camera because you're worried about what if you mess up what if people tease you you are putting your ego first right and i I think that there can be so much beauty in just being honest. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing: if you chose to put your ego first, it's your life. Right. Like it's got nothing to do with me. If that's the thing that you say, I'd rather feel better about myself in the small time, you know, in this moment, than to think about impact or whatever that goal is. At least you're making the decision for yourself. And now you're not waking up every day saying, "Well, I wish I had o- this over here." No, no, you wake up every day saying, "I chose to put my ego
1: above my goal." Right. And. I believe you feel the same way. The only person you should be competing against is the person Mm -hmm. you're looking at in the mirror every day. And that's it. And we're human. I'm not going to sit here and be like, huh, I never worry about the ego. Damn straight. But it's now become a more conscious, I think, journey for me to say, let me separate this Mm -hmm. so I can focus on the task at hand and what's the most important.
0: That's so amazing. Also, have you read the book uh, Rocket Fuel? I haven't read that one yet. So to your point, like I... I used to really struggle with the ego um when we first started impact theory i was so proud of tom being in front of the camera and i was helping behind the scenes and then it ended up being over time right like tom's amazing and it wasn't that i needed my name like specifically but the recognition that there is a foundation Mm -hmm. that he couldn't do what he did unless i showed up to do what i did and it was really hard like the whole ego thing um even though it was because I was even more torn, because I'm like, it's my husband. I right, want him right. to do well. Like, I'm so happy that people are giving him the accolades. Mm-hmm. But that little ego sting was still there. And I read the book Rocket Fuel, and what it does is it breaks up. Look, you've got the rocket, the big, shiny thing that everyone stares at, right? Michael Strahan, Tom Billy, my husband, right? Like, it's, it's larger than life. Mm-hmm. Then you have the fuel. That, if the fuel isn't there, the rocket doesn't do anything. The rocket doesn't move, the rocket doesn't progress, the rocket just stays there. So the fuel to the rocket is actually even more important or just as important, okay. but no one cares about the damn fuel. Right. So I realized I was the fuel, my husband was the big rocket, and actually I need to find value in knowing how valuable the damn fuel is. Mm-hmm. Not have other people tell me how right. important the fuel is, but to. me know how important the fuel is. Um, I want to go something that you said earlier again about like you chose not to be the victim. That is so powerful and yet it's so hard to do Mm -hmm. because sometimes when some things happen to you, you have every right to. You have every right to say this really sucks. Mm -hmm. Why me? This shouldn't be the way life is and yet I've heard you say so many times there is no room for shouldn't or it's not fair or if, no, no, it's when, it's how I show up. Is that a stacking stone mentality that you've done over the years? And then if so, how do you start to keep, or how do you keep building on it so that it doesn't
1: fracture when someone comes to try and, like, break it? People try to break it daily. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, it, it's, I I said to Strahan or, or Coach Prime, you know, Aaron Andrews, any of our coaches, you know, clients and friends. I just want to wake up one day and not fight. Every day there's a fight, whether it's a fight to get a return call, a fight to get a show on the air, a fight to get the announcement of the show that took us a year and a half to sell, a fight to get this product in the stores, a fight to say why can't we get this category, like whatever it is, it's always a fight. And I don't, when I say fight, because then everybody takes things so literal. I don't mean we're MFing people and we're yelling this. It's just, it's a constant battle to move the ball forward. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when you hit a certain level of whether it's your career or just how you operate, how you vibrate, that's what it's going to be. Because the minute I become complacent, I think you don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's probably where I'm not going to be the victim comes into play. It's because I hold myself to that higher standard, which then energetically attracts the same like-minded people. I'd like to think that everybody at SMAC and that's attached to us, you know, peripherally all vibrate at that same level Mm -hmm. that we're all trying to move the ball forward. And it's the outside factors that are trying to kind of intercept the ball, not to get too football term here, but that's what I know. And it's, A struggle to just sometimes breathe and say it's not personal and I think that's a big part of it we always say show business isn't called family business it's called show business it's a business and you have to take that step backwards and just remember this isn't personal and just recalibrate and you're gonna get knocked down a couple steps but then tomorrow when I get up I'm gonna go that extra step to make sure that we're moving forward and that also takes you into that you know, realm of when is it okay to let something go? Like there's a show we've been developing that after the fourth iteration, I just looked at the team and I said, I think the universe is trying to tell us it's okay to let this one go. And it doesn't mean we did anything wrong, it just means this wasn't the right one. And let's put our energy in something that we know we really can focus on and win.
0: How do you do that though in those moments of like, because I, the last word I would ever relate to you is quitting and at the same time you have to let go right you have to kind of move on and so many people hold on to that means i'm a quitter how do you make sure that you don't because obviously talking about like the ego and stuff there is a bit of that that i can imagine that seems like oh god is this just like is this because we haven't pushed enough is that because we haven't like given this enough time and attention um how do you know when to make that pivot and not take it on as a reflection of who you are
1: I don't look at it as quitting. I look at it as letting go. I think that's a really important Mm -hmm. definition to just understand that if it was after the first try, it's a quit. But if we've gone back and gone back to the drawing board and said, all right, let's shift this to try this, you know, let's shift to try that, and we keep sitting down and, and keep trying and keep trying, it's not quitting. It's knowing it's the wrong time, it's the wrong project, it's the wrong idea. Maybe we pick it back up in a year. We're doing that right now there was a project we took out before the pandemic and it was passed on but someone called me and said hey did it i'm like i called i was like find this treatment and like they dug it up i said let's freshen it up we're taking it back out because i let go at that time but i still believe in that and i'm taking it back out a lot of it is instinctual your gut knowing the marketplace at the time and look we're in an uncharted territory we've come out of a global pandemic there's war going on overseas which is impacting so much of this happening here there's inventory issues no matter what business you're in it impacts everything you're doing personally professionally so those are factors you have to take in and then make your decision so I don't look at it as a, as quitting it's just truly analyzing everything and saying let's take our energy and our efforts and put it over here because we know that's, that, that one needs more attention than this right now. Uh,
0: The so remains, but how do you make sure that it's not about you? Like, the reason why I ask that is, I find it difficult myself sometimes is not taking things personally. That's the thing that you were saying, right? Like, you don't take things personally. And in these moments, I'm always kind of thinking, is this because I'm not good enough? Or is it because the project isn't good enough? Like, because separating those can be a difference between knocking your self-esteem and stopping ever progressing,
1: or going, oh, okay, I can learn from this and now, I'm going to move on. I am great at the business. I'm great at representing our clients. I'm great at representing the projects. I suck at standing up for myself. So maybe that's a little bit where the work that I have to do a lot more of. When I'm in my zone for the business, for a contract, for a show, no self doubt there. I just know it's not the right project or we've tried or this or that but if I have to stand up for myself it's everyone around me that has to come to me and say you've got a da 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 you've got it so we've got to keep breaking this
0: down girl because this is <laughs> here's the thing I'm sitting here so wide-eyed because I can't believe you said that and at the same time so many people are like that so many women are like that I, I wish I had this stat on hand I'm just I've got a bad memory but it was something like most women are 80 percent more likely to fight for somebody else that they know than they are to fight for themselves
1: you have to wonder if that's part of our hormone makeup our you know genetic makeup and how we were raised Mm. it just i'm an older person you know i'm young here and here but the bones are in their 50s i spend so much time talking to the 20 and 30-somethings say don't be me in that area beaming everywhere else Mm. but don't subscribe to not feeling good enough not feeling like you belong at that table and it was not probably until my 40s late 40s even where i was like you know what there's no seat at that table for me well fuck you i'm building my own table
0: how did you get to that point then because if we can ideally identify hopefully people because i'm the same girl it took me to like my late 30s 40s to adopt this idea and this feeling and just saying well fuck it then um if we can like bottle it up and give it to the 20 year olds like it would just save them so much time how did you what do you think happened between the person that was like looking for the seat and now the person's like i'm
1: gonna fucking bring my own seat to the table and not wait to be invited because there were years i didn't have the seat and I just got sick of it, and then an opportunity, you know, would present itself, or I'd be in a meeting, whether it was Michael or Dion or, or Snoop, that they're looking at them and they're talking to them, and the guys know full well, it's my, you know, brain, it's my project, it's it's my this for them, but they're the ones just, and to their credit, they would always kick it over to me, and I was just mad and angry, and then at that moment would come where you know, whoever it was would say, well, Constance, and at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, did you say something? (laughs) Because you just like, and I stopped taking those meetings, Mm. and it was a process, it just took time, and again, it took the guys around me, which is what I go back to Mm. earlier, it's okay, you know, to lean, And, and they lean on me, why can't I lean on them? Because it's always helping all of us together, that it was just opportunity, or just incident after incident, that I had enough. I just had enough and that was really it. And also I do have to really, I know my husband doesn't think (laughs) I I see it. I have to shout him out because he supports me so much and really has just been there. and, And he, and you know, Mike, I mean, he's a very masculine man, very successful in his own right, who had this whole big life before me in a different way. And then coming into my life, he likes to say he's never thought he'd be so emasculated that his wife would have a bigger penis than him. But with that said, we both support each other. And it was new for me to have this man constantly lifting me up, picking me up off the floor, because there were things that had happened, whether it was a lawsuit that just took everything out of me emotionally and took a lot of my confidence out of me, that he'd come home and I'd literally be laying on the floor crying. And he'd come home just like, you got this, you got this. and It was those moments that I learned I could trust somebody. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying everybody needs a man. I don't want people to walk away like this is the finale of Sex and the City and like, I don't need a man. (laughs) I don't need a partner. That's not what I'm saying. It was just for me at that right time, the right guy came along and he taught me to trust. And that was really, really important for me.
0: I really want to drill deep here because there's nuance to everything you just said. Being a badass, Being a woman who can be independent, hold her own in business meetings, not feel like now she has to, um, you know, cowtell to other people, like being able to lean on. But when it comes to relationships, it really is a different ball game because the heart is involved. Did you and Mike ever have an issue in regards to what an alpha you are? How did you navigate that? Because a lot of people would be intimidated by it or feel like they have to dull the alpha, to make their partner feel more
1: valid, let's say? He knew what he was getting. (laughs) I mean, that's just the bottom line. We were lucky. uh, We were introduced by mutual friends. So we'd known of each other for years. So He was very aware of of my career and everything going on. When we first started dating, I just started smack. So it wasn't easy for him, or, or for me, I guess, in that sense, to get with somebody in your later years who's really starting over because it started the company from the kitchen table and you're just grinding and grinding and hustling there was always just an ease with us when we met which was different than every other guy I dated because they'd all act like oh it's so cool you know you manage Snoop or you're so cool you work with Coach or, or Dion or any of these Tony Gonzalez like all these hall of famers But then once the time came that you're at dinner and 11 o'clock your phone's ringing I'm like I have to take it. Now I'm also not full of shit like everything's great. Marriage is hard. Mm -hmm. Any relationship's hard and it is especially hard when you have two successful career people and mine is a different world than the tech space or the finance space like Hollywood sports it is it is different it is and we're not done at 6 Mm p.m. right like the phone's ringing all night. It's gone. You know, so I have to learn boundaries. I have to find the time to say, okay, we're going to go to a dinner tonight and I'm gonna leave the phone in the purse. I don't do a good job of it. He mm-hmm. says, "He go, we go to bed at night, I kiss the iPhone goodnight. I wake up, I kiss the iPhone good morning. I've tried to get better. It's, again, a very hard work in progress for us both. But I never have to worry about any competition between the two of us. It's just knowing the ebbs and flows and respecting one another and the boundaries and also as, as an only child I like my alone time. I didn't have siblings I had to share a room with or you know talk to all the time so that's another piece of it. There's on top of being a crazy workaholic I do like to settle into my alone time so it, it, it's, a, it's a constant work in progress.
0: Thank you for being that honest and do you ever take that like, you have to ever navigate your personality when you're around, when you go from business to personal. And what I mean by that is, for me, when I'm in business mode, you're dealing with a lot of problems. You said it earlier. It's like, oh, my God, like, shit hits the fan every two seconds, every which way you look. Um, and so when that happens to me, I have to toughen up. I have to... I. Um, I don't want to say I dull my emotions, but I put my emotions aside so that I can try and be clear-headed with business decisions. The problem is when I then go from <laughs> like grind, don't take no shit, Lisa, have your own back, you got this, Like you know you know the, the intense meetings that you end up getting in, and then you go home. And then I'm with my husband and he wants to be all soft and I'm just ball and not. I've had the discussion with Tom where he's been like, you're, you're bringing your hardness into our relationship, and now it's becoming a problem in our
1: relationship. Have you ever had that? How do you navigate that? I was gonna ask you for tips. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really? hard. Yeah. How do you do it? I, don't, I still don't know. It's, it's, as long as you're honest about it, you vocalize it, I think that's all, you can, that's all you can do. It's see the issue, address it, and work on it. Nobody's perfect. And I think anyone that pretends it's all perfect, they're full of shit, right? It's work, but it's work that I can't imagine living my life without him. So it's worth it. Mm. And for us, the pandemic actually brought us closer because we both traveled so much that on March 12th, you know, 2020, we hunkered down in our house out here. And for those two years, you know, you were together and it was just sort of like, there were moments, right? But it was time that we never had together, mm. ever, ever in our relationship. So as awful as the pandemic was, that's something I'm forever going to be thankful for. Playing Rummy Cube, playing backgammon, walks when we were allowed to be outside. Just those things really brought us closer together and really strengthened our relationship.
0: Yeah, God. In, in those moments when you get tested, that's what makes you stronger. And with the, the male... The male, feminine, however you want to like word it, with Tom and I, we were very honest with each other. And so Tom, because I started as a housewife with him, wow. he said that he missed the softness that, of the wife he first married. And because I went into entrepreneurship and I had to develop grit because as we were building Quest, I was surrounded by 40 employees and let's say 70, 80% of them were ex-convicts. Because we were the companies that like, right. well, we don't care, you know, what your background Which is, is. a beautiful thing. Who do you show up to be? Are you mm-hmm. willing to work hard? And if so, we'll give you a chance. And so here I am in situations where I have to toughen the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I have the choice. Let them push you around. Not that they deliberately are right. going to, but either let them do it, or you toughen the fuck up. And so over time. I started to get harder, just my personality got harder and I wasn't taking any shit and I was standing up for myself and I wasn't allowing people to push me around. And I brought that home. And as I I didn't realize, Mm -hmm. and as I was bringing it home more and more, the thing about me and Tom is we're always very honest with Mm each other. That's the promise we have. Like say the damn hard thing but be honest, right. and that was the hard thing, where he's like, look, I know you're finding yourself, you're finding your strength, you're finding your independence, you're fi- like, seeing, this is what he was saying to me, seeing you stand up for yourself and feel like this badass independent woman, he's like, it's beautiful, and at the same time, you're bringing so much of this hardness home, I miss the cuddly, warm, Mate. you know, partner, and so I had to really assess that, and I had to come up with tools and tactics for me to be able to shift, so to be able to go from how do i show up be a badass it like constant and then how do i unwind and be a softy and when i say a softy i love to feel like that as right. well it's not like doing it for the other person and it all became like my armor my clothes i realized So taking my jewelry off, taking off my high heels, putting on my pajamas. I would wipe my makeup off, tying my hair back. I realized was a transition for me from work to then going and hugging Tom. But I had to go through this transition before then I could talk to him Mm -hmm. and have that like softness. Um, And so these are the things that I'm so fascinated in talking to, especially women like yourself who has a thriving relationship, but is very open about these are the difficulties of having both.
1: Yeah. It's funny you said that about the transition when you come home cuz I do that but I never realized subconsciously that's probably the same thing. The minute I come home, I say hi and I go upstairs and I put my sweats on and let's obviously we're going out, but if I'm home for the night, it's like sweats, let's go walk the dog on the beach, like let's just try to have a moment put the phone down. You know, those kind of things, get through a meal without being on the phone and just focus, you know, how was your day? Like what's going on and And it's also different because, you know, we didn't have kids together. He has kids. Mm. But those are all things that you just really have to be aware of and discuss and be open to. Like, we have this beautiful blended family. You know, he's got two kids. And then we have two bonus kids who are a niece and nephew who lost their parents. That there are kids now. Tori's actually getting married, which we're so excited about in the next few weeks. And it's a beautiful thing that it's... People always say... Is it so hard that you didn't have kids? And I look at them and I say, I have kids. I might not have given birth to them, but I have these kids. I have my Smack kids. I have the kids that worked with me, whether it was at the NFL, whether it was at the firm, that are now all going on and doing their own thing, that I look at them and I'm so proud of them. And I know it's a reflection of what I helped build a foundation for. And that all goes into this because there's enough room for all of them. But at the end of the day, you've got to make room for your partner and you have to make room for yourself. What do they tell you on the airplane? In case of an emergency, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then the other person. And we always forget that. And it's such a simple concept that put the oxygen mask on. How are you so open, that's beautiful. How are you so open to
0: invite and change your life as you got older. Because this is one thing that I hear a lot from my audience is, you know, the one thing that I'm just a big fan of is, like, guys, don't settle. Like, you are a freaking amazing person. And um, don't settle for anything less than the, what you deserve and that what someone's going to bring to the table as additive to you. Um, and so I'm really fascinated of, of these, like, badass women like yourself where it's, like, what did you... Um, meet Mike and decide to have a full-time, like a marriage later on in life because you chose not to settle? Like what was that thing that you had later in life and um, how were you comfortable enough to let someone in as you start to get, um, as we get older, we get a little more dogmatic in how we think, how we show up, who we want to be. So how were you able to actually let somebody in and not make a mistake, or maybe you did make a mistake earlier in life with being with the wrong partner.
1: Oh, gosh, I made tons of mistakes. Are you kidding? It was like the old kiss the frogs to find the prince. I kissed a lot of bad frogs. (laughs) It was, A, I didn't want to settle, and B, I was okay being by myself. That was always what it... You've always been okay with being by yourself. Always. Does that stem from being an only child? I think it stemmed from... I mean, trauma is the first word that comes to mind, but it's not a word I like to use. I think it's the trauma of the way everything went down with my parents and Mm -hmm. just, you know, with my dad just being so manic, just didn't know what was going to go on, that I was like, I'd rather be alone than ever be in a situation like this. Mm -hmm. And I fell into some bad relationships, unavailable people and all the things, and then, I just loved my career. You know, it's one of the things, it, it's not work if you love it. And that doesn't mean it didn't come without struggles, of course. I don't want everyone to think like, oh, you had this, like, easy breezy, no, 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 no. I don't want that, the message being taken away. But at the core of it, I always loved what I was doing overall. Yeah, there's day-to-day bullshit. So I was able to throw myself into it. And in my early 30s, when I moved to L.A., I was traveling the world whether it was with Enrique Iglesias, you know, Kelly Clarkson, and then Snoop. I mean, I saw the world with him, and I'm so thankful to him for that. To have gone to Russia, which I know I will never go to again, Mm -hmm. to see Australia, New Zealand, and Africa, and all these places while he was touring and giving his gift to the world, that I loved it. I was immersed in it. Yes, I dated here and there, but A, they weren't the right person. I knew it. It might have been fun at the time, but there was too much just like while I was building the business side of it that when I got with Mike I didn't think about who texted who who's calling Mm. you you when people would tell me when you know you now and you roll your eyes you really know it just was easy and was that a big part of it because he kind of accept like he accepted who you were yes yes because it was we laugh about it we had this you know, whirlwind romance. We were long distance, but as the relationship started getting more and more serious, the people in my life were like, wait a minute, you have a serious boyfriend. What's going on here? And it was, all right, let's go out with Michael. Let's go out with Tony and Toby. Let's go out with Dion and Tracy. And then it was Snoop and Chante. And I know it sounds like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you're just dropping famous people. And I don't mean to do that. These are core people in my world that were very very protective of me because they were my friends before they were my clients so that's why those are the names mm-hmm. I'm, I'm choosing yes there's all my college girlfriends and that crew of course like your ride or die but from the friendship business side of it Mike was like I don't really give a fuck who they are or what they do if these are your friends these are your friends and that for me was like he's the one Oh my,
0: that's so beautiful. So many people that I know, as they get older, they become more dogmatic about this is my life and you know it becomes harder for them to choose a partner because they're so picky. And then also the worry that you've built yourself up to be who you are today, right? Like when you're working on yourself and you're really working on your confidence and you're working on your career and you're working on not being a victim and you really do try and show up every day, there really does become that fear of like, is this person going to... um, take me backwards am I going to accidentally give over to um, to them into this relationship and then lose myself and so when I think about you and I think about your career and I think about your relationship and how beautiful you haven't lost yourself and that's something that like is so powerful um, and very scary for a lot of women. And I know that so many people worry about that. They don't get into a relationship because they're worried that they're going to revert back to either who they were when they were younger or that the guy is going to impact how they see themselves and their confidence that they've built. Mm-hmm.
1: I had those relationships and I realized this is not the right person. So it, it took a lot of mm-hmm. trial and error to get here. And there's something to be said. I'm not the same person that I was at 40, at 30, at 25. A lot of my friends married their college sweethearts and that is a testament to them. I cannot even imagine being with that same person because I grew so differently. So the fact you can find somebody and grow together, it's it's so beautiful. And even though I got with Mike later in life, we're not the same couple we were when we started dating. We're better. And that's what every relationship should be, whether you're guy, guy, girl, girl, or they, them. Like, you want to be with the right person that you can grow together, not apart.
0: Mm. Mm. So true. Um, all right. I'm going to take us back to something you said earlier, okay. and this is a bit of a touchy subject Uh-oh. that may rattle our audience up. I'm actually not sure. It's not a subject I've really spoken about yet. Okay. Um, so we talk about showing up, working freaking hard. Um, the the motto of your company is hustle, hustle like you're broke. Hustle like you're broke. And I don't know if you've heard the recent um, somewhat controversy around the phrase quietly quitting. Have you heard of this phrase?
1: I literally saw it on, I think it was the shade room the other day. And here we go again. I'm probably going to rattle some cages. I don't understand this generation with the big resignation or whatever it was called. And now this, this quiet quitting. What does everyone think is going to happen if we all decide not to work? That That's just what I don't understand. I grew up. I started working at my mom's flower shop when I was in junior high school, maybe even younger than that. I can't remember cutting thorns off roses. Think about that. That's like so symbolic, right? Until <laughs> <laughs> no, I said that. That's so <laughs> it's not like I wanted to be there, but I had to be there. Yeah, you were taught a work ethic. Like my grandfather on my mom's side came over on a boat from Greece through Ellis Island. My mom lived in the Depression. My dad worked at the Transit Authority you know 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. was a, a Korean War veteran and struggled with with so much of that but what they instilled in me is as did my whole family you work and you give back and whether it's to an organization that you have a connection to or whether you know from my some of my family it was the Greek Church you work and you give back and you're a contributing member to society so I don't understand this generation that thinks that they're just going to sit home and not do anything or phone it in at a job that somebody owns, whether it's a huge conglomerate or whether it's smack entertainment. We've worked for everything we have and we're doing our best to offer a place for you to contribute and work and we're very open and we listen and we, when we can, we will concede. For example, when everybody was coming back to the offices, that was very important for us because we are a creative, collaborative company. Working on a Zoom doesn't work for Mm -hmm. us. And I said, I I can respect your feelings. If you feel you need to go find another job where you can work from home, I will help you. But if you're going to work here, it is in these offices we are together. But the compromise, because Michael and I take pride in, in listening and trying to work together, is we let everybody work from home on Fridays. Is that something he and I want to be doing? No, but given the way the world is shifted, we're trying our best to compromise and get the most out of everybody. But this quietly quitting where you're phoning it in, I don't understand it. I just don't. Yeah, Look at me, I'm like, dig it in. No, I don't no, no. get it. Girl,
0: I want you to, so here's the thing. So in case people are listening and they're not actually quite sure what quietly quitting is, there isn't like one succinct definition, um, but I pulled a company just to kind of explain yes. it to the audience. Um, quietly quitting is about rejecting the notion that work has to take over one's life and that employees should go above and beyond what their job description entails. According to Metro, this can take many forms, including turning down projects based on interest, in refu- Intricate? Like, no, I'm not interested in that. Sorry, don't want to do it. Um, Refusing to answer work messages outside of work hours or simply feeling less mentally and emotionally invested in the role. So it is the antithesis to what I was brought up to do being Greek Orthodox like yourself, having a father that came from nothing. A tiny village in the mountains of Cyprus where his toilet was a hole in the floor. That is my father. That is the, literally the next generation. Mm-hmm. So growing up, my dad always taught me. And he went from that to move to England, taught himself, and ended up running one of the largest oil tanking shipping companies. Yes, and true. so yeah. <laughs> and so he literally said to me, growing up every day, do not expect anything to be given to you. If you want anything, you have to be willing to work harder, period. If you don't work hard, you don't deserve it. And so having that idea, having that mentality, I've worked very hard in my life. Now look, at the same time, I recognize where working hard can, it can be detrimental to your, um, your health, right? So where is that fine line? And I feel like we're on this pendulum where we went really hard one way, and now we've swung so hard in the other way that it is not only detrimental to how people show up, but I really do worry as women, where we fought so damn hard to get equality, to be seen in the same light of like, what do I bring to the table? And now maybe we're encouraging them to like, put your foot off the pedal, like to to just not do much, to expect things. And I'm really freaking worried about it. And I was like, Constance, we gotta talk about it, homie. Because like, I'm really worried about where this leads to people's mental state of what they think, how they can show up and how to be a badass. Like if you just expect to be tough
1: without putting in the work. I contribute a lot of this to everybody wins a participation trophy. <laughs> I, 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 it's, you, when I played sports as a kid, you win or you lose. Mm-hmm. The winners got a trophy and the losers, okay, well, next year. But this generation, I see friends' kids or the grandkids or whatever, everybody got a trophy. Why? Why? How does that prepare you for life? Mm -hmm. And I I wonder just one thing that you brought up. I don't want anybody working themselves to get sick. So that's not what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. But we've created an environment, whether it's at our office or, you know, people that we work with or the partnerships we have, where I like to think you're offered the benefits or the salary or just the learning and the culture that you want to exceed and you want to be a part of it. If I ever said to a boss, that project doesn't interest me, bye. There's no such thing. So I'm trying hard to be understanding, but at the same time, there's a business to run. And without the business running, the money doesn't come in, Mm -hmm. and if the money doesn't come in, not only can we not pay people, but we can't give them raises or bonuses. So I just don't know where this disconnect is that people don't understand that if you don't show up and show out, what do you think is going to happen? Seriously, like, what do you think is going to happen? I talk about it all the time. Aaron Andrews who's a client, a partner, and most importantly, a friend. We started Wear by Aaron Andrews together. Which is the jacket that I'm wearing. <laughs> Literally, you took this off your back and gave it to me before we got on set. How this it world? matches your outfit so much better. <laughs> but we are a startup, and we are tiny but we're mighty and we grind and we hustle and we just announced that we have our women's sports line announced with uh, major league baseball this summer that doesn't come to us no one's calling us saying hey here's the league no we have to fight for it And Erin might be on camera, but off camera, she's a badass. She is showing up at these NFL stadiums with bags of clothes, and she sees fans in the stands that they're screaming for her, and she's handing product out. She's doing whatever it takes, as is everyone on our team, to build this tiny female-owned business Mm -hmm. that, yes, there are people that are giving us an opportunity, like Michael Rubin at Fanatics. The sports leagues are. They give us the opportunity. That's it. It was up to us to show out. If we all were quietly quitting, this business would have been extinct already. It had been done. And we're only three years old and in the middle of the pandemic and dealing with inventory issues, all the things. But whether it's the generations or our parents, how we were raised, everyone on this team busts their ass every day, the weekends. Because don't forget, sports is 24-7, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Everyone's showing up. Maybe it's because of the culture we have. I'm not sure, but we all believe so much in what we're building and what we're doing that it's not a job. It's truly a passion. And there's other people that actually said to me, the gift that you're giving. I was like, what do you mean the gift? They're like, You've answered something for women. Mm-hmm. Women don't want to wear a big oversized jersey or be bedazzled. I shouldn't say with all women. There's a market for that, yeah. and there's already a huge... Um, like supply of that but for women like us for example i wanted to support my team but i didn't want it like i wanted to wear something that i could wear out to dinner to the bar but also show up at the games at so that's a gift that we feel we're giving to women and it doesn't just happen every day whether it's our partners at five star designing new lines on the weekends this that making sure there's something that's out there it's a team effort but the reward is in seeing someone like you rocking that because you you just liked it and wanted it. And it makes me so happy. And I can't wait for Aaron and the team to see this and know like you're our target audience and you got it and it worked. So don't quietly quit. Find the right job that you don't wanna quietly quit. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but you've gotta be a contributing member to society or I don't know what that becomes. I didn't major in anthropology or sociology, but I'm sure the studies <laughs> on this are gonna just be mind blowing. God, so the reason why this is so important, and you have
0: just literally laid it out. I live in a world that is not in the world that I wish it was. So I wish, as women, we could show up, do the same amount of work as a man, and it be um, taken as equal. And the truth is, it's not often like that. And I actually have a quote of yours that I'd love to Uh read. Um, The main challenge was um, what a lot of young women still face. Guys getting brought in above me because they have connections. That happened three times. Instead of quitting or giving up, I worked 10 times harder. It put the battery in my back. So if now you have to show up to work 10 times harder and now the message out there is quietly queer,
1: go, I'm fucking petrified. Petrified, petrified. It's not going to work. It's going to backfire and the ramifications will come years and years and a generation from now. Because I don't want any man or woman, but especially a woman, to lean into this. And then two years from now, bitch. Because that's what's going to happen. Thank you. you. Yeah, so true. Wake up. Figure out what, if if you're not happy there, there's so many opportunities. There's, There's so many new industries and so many people willing to help and lend a hand. Reach out. Ask. Find it. Take it get the help when you need it it's not what we're saying but to just sit home and watch bad tv get your ass out there and find something you love to do and do it yeah i love that and then also just the power of words right like there's a reason i lean
0: into the word badass on purpose Mm -hmm. in saying it out loud i feel like a badass Mm -hmm. in saying it out loud i feel like i'm like yeah yeah right so like I find that word very powerful. And so I use it in every which way where I want to either motivate someone else or vote motivate myself. Now think about what the word quit is doing. Mm-hmm. Or even quietly. Quietly. It's not right. Like you, you're a freaking force, are we? So, like, you come into a room, people know Constance is there because you're a force. There's nothing, <laughs> I think this is a compliment, there's nothing quiet about you. <laughs> um, and so I really do I worry about mm-hmm. the word quiet that we're encouraging women. And I'm just going to, like, focus on women for now because that's kind of where my, I just, in life, that's where I focus on. But, like, that we're encouraging women to be quiet again instead of standing up for themselves. And then also we're encouraging women to quit when, sadly, right now, it's actually, it's hard to get
1: noticed even when you're working ten times as much. All of what you just said. They need to read your book, Radical Confidence. <laughs> Thank you, Seriously, but that's what it's about, is radical confidence. Find it. And, again... I'm not saying it's easy out there, no, especially yeah. for a struggling single mother. We're not sitting here with our pink pillows and acting like, oh. mm-hmm. like, go figure it out, sweetheart, as I drink my martini. No, like you and I started, started at the bottom, now we're here and we're still fighting and still doing something every day. But you can't quietly quit. You just, you cannot. I, I can't stress it enough. And I also truly believe As miserable as a job may be, try not to quit until you find your next job. You're way more valuable when you have a job than when you just decide to leave and it takes you six, eight, 10 months to find the new job. The world is back. We can't use Mm -hmm. this pandemic as an excuse anymore. Business is operating. We are, the world is open again. Figure out what it is that you wanna do. And there are job counselors, there's job fairs, there are places to go. You just need to find somebody that'll just take your ear and, and listen. At least once a week, you could ask my team. This week, I think it was twice. But I try to do something with somebody, you know, either in high school, college, early 20s to just give some guidance, whether it helps or not. I have no idea. But if someone asks, I'm, I'm going to do it. Same thing should go for any woman, any man, but any woman that wants to reach out to the field that they're trying to get into Mm -hmm. you know i was doing a lot with an organization called mvp emerging veterans and players and there's one woman um i don't want to say who she is but you know she asked if i would mentor her and it was my honor to do that so find a mentor people want to help Mm -hmm. it's it's instinctive to us especially as a nurturing woman we want to help so find that mentor in the field and see what they can do. It doesn't mean they can give you a job, but at least they can put you on a path to get there.
0: Oh my, that's so amazing! I love that you do that. And um, as I was saying, I know you so well that I so admire the woman you are. your are Does anyone find you intimidating? I
1: try not to be intimidating because i don't think i am so it's hard to try not to be when you already don't think you are Mm -hmm. that probably makes no sense no it makes
0: no it actually makes perfect sense, and that's why i asked it because you don't feel like you're being intimidating and there's that There's this really weird fine line that I'm kind of obsessed with to talk to women about between the fine line between confidence and people like, oh my gosh, she's so confident. I want to be like her. And then arrogance where it's like, oh, look at her. She thinks she knows everything. And it's so damn fine that it can be very detrimental, I think, to the person. So for me, as I was building my radical confidence, I was like, I'm freaking petrified all the time. I'm insecure all the time. So building my radical confidence was very hard for me So then I get more and more confident. I adopt more and more of the behavior, the mindset, the, the the tips and the tricks that I know how to show up. And so I become really proud of the woman that I'm becoming. And as I'm becoming more and more of this confident woman, people are now perceiving it, or I've been told, as arrogant or um, intimidation. And I'm like, it's actually really difficult for me because I don't want to be intimidated, mm-hmm. uh, intimidating. But this is very bothersome to me because I can say the exact same thing in the same exact same tone that my husband can say it and they will look at him going, oh my God, what an alpha, and they'll look at me going, what a bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I live it every day. <laughs> I, I don't so, even know what to so say. So how, how do you, how do you <laughs> swallow it and keep going? It's probably a lot of my neck and back pain from swallowing so much. <laughs> uh, it happens. It happens all the time. I think it's getting better. Let me start by saying that. I do believe it's getting better because of the work you're doing, the book you wrote, your Mm -hmm. podcast, me coming out of my comfort zone and a whole bunch of other women that we respect and admire, podcasts we listen to because the 20-something-year-olds are hearing that message Mm. and finding their way at 25 versus 35 or 45. Yeah. So I'd like to think that our discomfort is helping navigate the younger generation. But how do we then help the people closer in age to us? Because it's never too late. That That's a message I always want someone to get across. At 53, I had no idea this is 53. When I was 23, 53 to me meant, oh, you're about to retire. Geriatric, to like, I, yeah. I'm just getting started. Like, I'm just getting started. So I, Do now make a conscious decision in every meeting, in every conversation that, and it's always a guy who's like, okay, you're being emotional, not to either choke him out if we're in a room together or reach through the zoom or the phone and choke him out because I know I'm not being emotional and that's his problem, not mine. Can I do that every time? No, I'm working on it. I've gotten much better about it and realizing this isn't my issue. It's their issue. And if they want to perceive me that way, then perceive me that way. The second time they say it, I then tell them if they want to see dramatic or emotional, I will bring it because I know the difference. Do you really see yes. that? And that's when they usually kind of catch themselves. That's a trick that I started doing that's
0: so powerful and you've used that
1: because you realized it bothered you you felt like minimized you're... marginalized whatever the right word yeah. is pissed off is my fucking term yeah pissed but the it's fuck their off. way of
0: trying to silence you Correct. right and obviously then when you feel silenced like you almost pro- like at least for me i kind of process it because i'm like i really want to defend myself now but then even in defending myself they'll be like oh see see i told you she was emotional and you're like "Bring the next." It's,
1: it's ridiculous. So
0: I love having a strategy like that mm-hmm. because in those moments, I need something to go back to so I don't bring my, I don't get overly emotional. Right. Like I need a, a, like a like line. Like a trigger. Mm-hmm. Like a trigger, yeah, like a line. Like, mm-hmm. okay, when, when he triggers this or maybe even she, when they trigger right. this, repeat this line. Right. Um, because I think that using that is a real cop-out. Like, oh, you're just being sensitive. Like it is a cop-out for someone to throw at you. But yet sometimes what I'll do, if, 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 if I get that, I try not to be so dogmatic, and I go, oh, are you sensitive, Lisa? Like, I'll always just ask myself, because the ego can also step in. Right. We're like, don't you fucking tell me that I'm right. too sensitive, right? And so now, you're like, well, who do I wanna be? I wanna be the person that always learns and grows. And can I be too sensitive sometimes? 100%. Yes. So acknowledge in right. these moments, but then also to your point of like, what is their intention? Mm-hmm. Their intention right now isn't to actually help me and be like, look, you're a little sensitive right now. Their intention is to shut me up. Their right. intention
1: is to um, marginalize me, minimize who you know, right. what I've just said. Um, and you're right, it could be, it's women too. I mean, it really bums me out the more and more women that you meet that aren't leaning in to try to help and, and feel the need to put you down to lift themselves up. That's got to stop. Why do you think that is? Insecurity. <laughs> And I just learned with them—they're not people I want in my circle, anyway. Yeah.
0: Dude, you are freaking fire! I could talk to you forever. Where can people find you? Where can people find this new clothing line? That guys, check this bad boy out! I'm gonna do a little like actually, I'll do a
1: little spin for you, people. So, so we have this one in all 32 NFL teams, and it will be available on Fanatics and NFL Shop, and we also have our. NBA line, our NCAA line and we just now launched Major League Baseball. Oh my As a lifelong God. Yankees fan to have like a line that I am a partner in and be rocking my New York Yankees it, it's like a dream come true.
0: Well I think you and Erin on behalf of every single woman out there that has been annoyed with the fact that they love sport and don't have anything sexy, cool, hip to wear. So thank you on behalf no. of every single woman out there. You're welcome. And then thank you, homie, for coming. Thank you for having me. Guys, check out this woman. She's so freaking amazing. She always shows up in her true self. And let's face it, there can be nothing more empowering than someone being that extremely authentic and transparent. So go check her out. Check out this amazing clothing line that she's now um, released. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billu. And until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace. Peace.